Amen. All right. Wow. I mean, I didn't know he was going to share that testimony. That was amazing. Um, just, uh, just a testimony to the fact that uh, God is interested in people being healthy and whole. And um, I love how Manny's just saying, we just started, just started praying Jesus. It wasn't really uh, a crafted prayer um, for that person to be healed in the moment. Uh, it wasn't about the words or even the placement of the hand. It was about the power of Jesus. And I think for us to remember that as for those in this room that are followers of Jesus Christ, that are saying yes and amen to him and his ways, it's about him. It's not about all the practicals and how you go about it. It's if he's central. And if he's central, then we're on track. So just so encouraged by that. And I'm sure there's more incredible stories happening this summer. If you don't know, we like to send people on mission trips over the summer the last few years. We've still done it in the midst of everything going on. And we've got teams going out and more teams this week. And um, it's just really exciting. And our goal is that as people come back from these trips, that they are not only changed, but that starts rubbing off on you. Uh, and so if you hear of somebody, if you supported someone financially or praying for them or someone in your life group or whatever, you know, hey, you went somewhere, I would encourage you just to get time with them, get coffee, get lunch, say, hey, can you tell me about your experience? Because it's only going to make you stronger. It's only going to mature you more, which is what we're going to be talking about today. But before I jump into that, I do just want to say again, happy Father's Day to everybody. Uh, and, you know, when I think about my childhood growing up, um, I think about what are the moments I remember most with my dad. And uh, one of them takes me back to this time we went to Arkansas and went uh, on uh, one of the rivers up there. And we got this guide, this fishing guide. And we did this, this whole trout fishing, rainbow trout fishing trip. And uh, I, I was little. My brother and I were both little. But we went and spent the whole day on the boat with this river, uh, on, on this river. And then at lunchtime, we actually took our fish we caught we, he taught us how to carve them up and cook them. He made a bunch of hash browns, potatoes on the riverbanks, just a little open fire. And I'll never forget that experience. I think it was my dad and my brother. And, you know, he did a few of those trips over the years. When we got older, we did a couple other things. But I remember the adventure with my dad um, probably more than all the conversations with my dad. You know, and you may be better about remembering things, but... As a little boy, it mattered that my dad took me on some adventures. So I just want to say for the dads in the room, for the future dads in the room, um, no matter what age your kids are, if, you are, if your sons are my age, um, sons still want to go on adventures. And so I just want to encourage you, like, think about ways you can do that with them because those are the pieces that really shape your experience and relationship um, beyond the conversations, but just going on adventures with your kids. And uh, for us as a nation, I have to tell you, we need dads. We need men to be men. We need fathers to be fathers. And uh, I often will say that I think the majority of the problems in our nation uh, go back to the father. Uh, not Father God. He's actually right. Uh, but there are a few fathers. And uh, I think I told you guys recently, I, we had a meeting with the superintendent of Brian ISD. And uh, she had a lot of faith-based leaders in, and we were talking through things, and we started sharing, and they were really open and honest about the situation going on in Bryan schools, and what's going on with teacher retention, and some of the challenges with students, and what's happening, and we just started discussing around the fact that, hey, 
these kids and these teachers, like, they need support, but they need mentors. And what we talked about was actually, they do actually have a lot of moms involved, but not a lot of dads. And we talked about elementary schools and how at elementary school, there may be 50 teachers and there may be two males that are teachers. So the majority of these kids are going to school and they don't have any male influences at school for the 35, 45 hours a week they're in school. Their influences are females, which are wonderful, but they need men in their lives. And many of them said that when we do have a male teacher, when we do have a male presence, all of a sudden, a lot of the behavior issues go away. It's something about the presence of a father that brings order, that brings respect. And I just want to say in our society, that's what we need. We need um, men. We need fathers to be fathers. So um, remember to encourage your father today. Uh, fathers aren't perfect, uh, but they need encouragement. They need support. They need to know what they have done well. Also want to um, mention as well that today being not just Father's Day, June 19th, but it's also Juneteenth. And um, as, as it happens, our family was actually in Galveston uh, this last week. If you don't know about Juneteenth, um, uh, in Galveston back in 1865 is where federal troops arrived there to, um, to take control of the state of Texas and ensure that all enslaved people were actually set free. The Emancipation Proclamation was declared two and a half years prior to 1865 in that June, but it hadn't made it all the way down. So although people were declared free, they weren't actually free. And in Galveston is actually where the final kind of deal uh, came, where they said, hey, you're free, now you've got to let everybody go. And from that day on is when slavery officially ended, was abolished, amen? So that's a big deal, and I want to uh, recognize that. Um, and it's a big deal, and it was just interesting. I'm like, oh, we're in Galveston driving back. This is like a big deal uh, here in Galveston. So anyways, praise the Lord that slavery is over in our nation, and yet we still got many problems to work through. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Um, today, we're going to continue our series on Together. So that's why we're sitting at these tables. And just again, if you need a little refresher, we're doing this because we want you to engage with each other and engage with the Word of God. Right? We don't want to be consumers, right? We don't want to raise a generation of people that are consuming. We want to actually be engaging. Consuming, I like to say, is a one-way street. Engaging is a two-way street, right? You go to the movies to consume. Wow, that was amazing. Great. Awesome. That's all about you and your fulfillment, and you're, con and you're consuming that, right? Engagement is, hey, what do you care about? How can I serve you? How can you serve me? How do we work together? That's a conversation, right? So in church, we want the church to be engaging. So we force you to do it. So whether you're introverted or extroverted, it doesn't really matter. You get to talk today. So actually, the goal today is everyone at your table talks. So if you're one of those people that just likes to listen, that's great. Today, you're going to talk also, okay? So now I've warned everybody, and someone may call you out and say, hey, you, we don't know you, but you need to talk, all right? So um, just jump in the game. It feels a little awkward for like three minutes, and then you realize, wait a second, this is actually amazing. This is what I was made for, to talk, to listen, to engage. Oh, I come alive. This is great. So you'll love it, okay? Just trust me. All right. We're going to jump into Hebrews 5 and 6 here. So Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 through 14. As you remember, we're going through this series, and there's a ton of let us statements in this letter right, and Hebrews, and we're going through them. Jonathan did a great job last week talking about rest. We've talked about different pieces. Today, 
We're going to talk about maturing in the faith. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 through 14, we'll start there. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Now, let me pause. In verse 11, right before this, he says, About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Now, I looked that word dull up, right? Dull in this sense means lazy. Lazy. So it's not deaf. It's not that they're incapable. It's actually lazy. So really what he's saying, you become lazy of hearing, which is the reasoning behind needing to teach the basics again. Now, we know that infants, right? There's some babies in the house. We hear you. Um, we know that infants need milk because they're not mature enough to process solid food. If you give a one-week-old solid food, that won't go well. They need milk. They need it in the most simplest, nutritious form. They need milk. But as they get older, it'd be awkward for a 12-year-old to only be drinking milk. I don't know if they would make it to that age. I'm not sure what the science is behind that. But they need solid food, okay? But there, so there is a process that God's even set up in our natural bodies to go from the milk stage where we're completely dependent upon someone else for our sustenance and for life, and we are dependent and we have to have that to we move on to solid food, where actually we can now be participating in the gathering and the cultivating and the producing of that food. Does it make sense? So for us as believers, as people in Christ, we have to mature on from the milk to the food. And so therefore, a child then grows. And for us, if you talk about the basics of the faith, what he's referring to here is there are simple basics of the faith, basic doctrines that all of a sudden they have been taught, but they've been lazy, become dull in their hearing, and now they're having to teach them again. It's like someone wanting to move on to a deeper understanding or to a deeper discussion of a topic when they've yet to actually engage with the very surface level basics. Right? It's like wanting to go, wanting to start out as a freshman taking your 401 classes. It won't compute. You won't be able to do it because you have to have the building blocks of the freshman, sophomore, junior year. And the aim is for people to mature on in the teaching um, of the faith. And, you know, um, when it comes to us learning something, right, I kind of think back to school. And I remember someone told me once, I was struggling, I think my, my freshman year, and someone told me this, said, hey, if you'll approach class with the mindset that whatever you hear today from the professor, you're going to have to teach a class tomorrow on, you take notes very differently. You actually listen very intently. And you're thinking, how did he say that? Why did he say that? Why did she say that? Why did it come across that way? And all of a sudden now, you are processing information in a way that is, oh, I'm going to have to teach or disciple someone else in this tomorrow. 
But if you go with a consuming mentality, this information is just for me, just so I can do well on my quiz or my test or my project and get my grade, you'll only learn this much. But if you learn with the mindset of, I will have to teach this tomorrow, you're very different. There's no difference in Christianity. If you read the word only for yourself, if you listen to a, a book or, or go into a conference or in any environment where you're being taught something and you say, this is just about me and my business and my house and my parenting and my family and my kids and my this, then okay, you'll learn something about for you. But the way God's designed things is, is that the way you actually mature is by having to give things away. You cannot mature if you only consume. Right? You just get bloated. That's what happens. Right? You remember that Willy Wonka movie? One of those kids, I don't know, who turned into a big, just, you know, what? You don't want to be that. Yeah, you want to be that kid. No way. Share the chocolate. Right? He would have made it. Right? We've got to have the mindset of, oh, because I'm telling you probably the writer of Hebrews is saying, guess what? I taught you things. You have learned things. But guess what? You haven't taught them anyone else. You haven't discipled. You haven't passed it on. It just came in one ear and it kind of stayed there. And it didn't, it didn't translate to the heart. It didn't go deeper. And for us as people, it has to become part of your DNA, part of your value system, part of your walk, which is where accountability comes in, which is where me church is different than we church, right? It's, it's the we mentality. It's the let us Mature together. It's iron sharpening iron. He says, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. That sounds like some superhero talk, doesn't it? It's like some of those Marvel movies. It's like, oh, the powers of discernment. You know, you don't have to wear a cape for that, right? You just need to eat the solid food. So you can mature to have powers of discernment. Do you know somebody? I bet you do. Who's actually pre-discerning? And you're thinking, man, when I talk to them, they just know how to approach things. They see things from an angle I don't see. They understand. They're not reacting all the time. They're actually pre-discerning and clear with their words. They're not, like, we know those Sometimes you think about, okay, my grandparents or someone, somebody's got some wisdom, some years under their belt to say, hey, I've actually been there, done that. I'm not freaked out by things. I have discernment about situations. And I'm telling you, the Spirit of God can mature you in your powers of discernment because that's who we want to be. In that moment, Manny just got matured in powers of discernment. He sees a lady in need. Someone else could have reacted. He responded and said, okay, what do we do? Not I'm like, okay. And then, okay, what's the deal? I just need to pray the name of Jesus over right now. A very simple thing, but I don't think he's been trained to say, what do you do when you're in a foreign country at a breakfast joint when a woman turns white? I've never taught that. We don't have a manual for that. But that's the spirit of God in that moment saying, how do I do it? And we all have that. We want to mature so that we are helping a dying and broken world with the powers of discernment being led by the Spirit of God to bring healing and restoration and hope, not to bring the same thing the world brings just to help fix something. That's a broken system. We want to bring a system that is 
healing that is reproducible, that is sustainable, that is maturing. That's the heart. I want to move on to Hebrews chapter 6, 1 through 3, just the next few verses. So we talked about this idea of needing to go from solid food, from milk to solid food, so that we can mature. And then it says, therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ. Referencing this idea of solid food and maturing, okay? Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. Not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. And let me just pause a second. I've always read that and been a little confused, just to be honest. I'm like, wait a second, aren't those good things? I mean, we're gonna leave the elementary, I mean, wait a second, we're not gonna do the repentance? I thought repentance was a good thing. Baptisms, we have a whole Sunday dedicated to that. Two of them, actually. I was like, hold on a second, well, Leaving the elementary doctrine, think of it as learning your ABCs, right? The basic building blocks that are needed in order to have the English language, right? They must be built upon. You don't just learn the 26 letters and stop. You learn those, and then you can put together words, and you start with the three-letter words, and then the four, and then the five, and then you start putting phrases together, right? Then there's compound sentences, and I don't know the rest of it. Some of you do, but they just start developing. I can talk. I don't know how to describe it to you. So, right, the English language evolves, right? And you start then writing essays and papers, and you start having these thoughts, and you can put it into poetry, and you can be scientific in manner and how you write, but it's developed, but it, there's a building block that has to be built upon, and then has to be exercised, and it has to be trained, right? And we're doing it with our kids right now. We've got five kids, and they're all, all different stages of their English development, and what they're able to communicate and what they're able to write. So I'm getting to see it in reality. But they're all learning it. But it's the basics. But he says, um, leaving the elementary doctrines. So what are the elementary doctrines? Repentance and faith, baptisms and laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Now, I read this and I thought, there's got to be more to the story here than just the surface. Okay, there always is. And I came across a little reference said this, it's important to understand that these doctrines are not being written as an outline for the basics of Christianity, but are instead, but are instead citing the doctrines of the Jewish faith that were common practice apart from Jesus Christ. Remember, Hebrews, written to people that are of Jewish descent, right? That have converted to Christianity, but have their Jewish heritage, their Jewish religion, still very much part of their culture and what they're doing. And what they're doing is they're taking these elements of the Jewish faith and mixing them with this newfound, the way following Jesus Christ faith, and they're mixing and matching it and saying, hey, it's all the same. And the writer Hebrews is actually saying, hold on a second, no, there is a difference. For instance, the word baptisms here is from the Greek word baptismos which means Jewish ceremonial washings, not a believer's baptism. So the reference is, hey, there's these ceremonial washings you're still doing that are actually not required, not necessary in a newfound faith in Jesus Christ. He washes us. We don't wash ourselves. Do you understand? You could go down to each and every one of these, and he's citing, hey, there's things you guys are doing that are actually not in their fullness and unto the Lord, they are very similar and to, the, and to the quick eye can be seen as, oh, that's probably the same thing. You see this when you go to different cultures, 
right? If you go to different cultures, we went to Peru years ago, and there's a very established Catholic faith. There's also a very established animistic faith, which would be their ancestral faith, mixed with Christianity. And you put all three together, and it looks a little off. Parts of you are like, oh, this is really cool, and I'm into that. But you're like, well, wait, that's, what are those little idols above their door? The one's got beer and one's got water. And what is that about? Everybody's got one of those. Well, that's because they believe that there's a demonic force here and there's this good, and they actually want to feed the demons when they come to their house. They want to feed them with water or beer to get them drunk so they turn away. Oh, but they love Jesus. Cool. All right, we probably need to address that at some point. <laughs> Do you understand me? But you can see the mixing of things. Well, hey, no, that's, that's, just, that's just part of culture. What's wrong with that? That's just part of our heritage. No, no, we're good. Do you understand me? This is what we do in America, too. That's just part of our culture, man. Okay. okay. But is it part of Jesus' culture? No, but, it's, but you can have it all, can't you? Well, you gotta kind of drop your nets. I think sometimes drop your nets is not just leave your work, actually. It's, hey, Leave the old ways and come follow me, right? Do you see what we are being told is we need to move beyond into the fullness of what God has for us. These Jewish Christians did not want to abandon religion, but they did want to make it less distinctively Christian because this time there also was persecution was increasing, right? And they didn't want to stand out in the crowd. They actually wanted to maybe blend in a little bit more and not be known as the Jesus freaks. They want to be known as the good Jews that adopted some Christianity. And so he's saying, you can't have both. It's an all or nothing type of reality. You can't, you can't have a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of this. It's got to be I'm completely surrendered to him or it's not authentic faith. There is a temptation to still be religious but not be radical about Jesus. This last phrase in verse three, it says, and this we will do if God permits. <clears throat> this expresses the believer's complete dependence on God. If we do press on to maturity, we realize that it only happens at God's pleasure. Meaning, we go at God's pace, not ours. You can't set your Apple watch and say, all right, two years, I'm gonna be there. It's not like training for a marathon. You can't just pick the regimented plan from the super marathon runner guy that's gonna do, if you do week two and week four, and you push yourself, take the break, and you do, you'll get there. That's not how it works. It's not scientific. It's called faith. It's called faith, which means the maturing process, you don't even know how it's all gonna happen. But if you keep your eyes fixed on him and say, God, I'm along for the journey. Someone years ago told me, hey, Tyler, the way to stay humble is to say this phrase, I'll never arrive. I'll never arrive. I'll never arrive at being the world's best dad. I'll never arrive at being an incredible communicator when I have nothing else to learn. I'll never arrive in my knowledge or understanding of this. I'll never arrive. If you think you've arrived and all of a sudden you've now said, the pride has said and it said, I've got nothing else to learn from anyone else. Humility goes out the door and all of a sudden now you become arrogant, you become insulated and that's it. You have to remain vulnerable. I like to say the sign of humility is when you can learn from anyone, including a child. And the measure of maturity is based off your obedience to Christ. 
So I would argue that if we want to mature in Christ, part of that has to be, or the main piece has to be obedience towards Christ. There are spiritually mature people that are much younger than me, that are way more spiritually mature than me because their obedience is at another level. That should challenge you, inspire you, encourage you, however you're motivated, however you want to say it. That should get something in you to say, okay, I want to be obedient to the faith because that's maturity. It's applying what you already know, not just thinking about what you would do, but actually doing.